0: Here's a modern retelling of that scripture. Then the angel of the Lord said to the servant of God, get up and go towards the south to the road that goes from San Francisco to Menlo Park. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was a venture capitalist overseeing huge accounts He had gone to San Francisco to find meaning and was returning home listening to a podcast about faith. Then the Spirit said to the servant of God, pull up next to that white Tesla Model S at the stoplight and get in the car. (laughs) So the servant of God did and asked the venture capitalist, do you understand what you are listening to? The VC replied, I don't get it. There is something in this that appeals to me, but everything I know about religion is that it is narrow and exclusive. What do you know about it? And the servant of God said, religion often is exclusive and narrow. But when you begin to read what Jesus did and said, he proclaimed, you see, that he had a different message. He proclaimed a way of life that brings meaning and purpose and hope. He proclaimed that we are all loved by God and that we all belong. And that love and belonging frees us to live wholehearted and meaningful lives that make a difference in this world. The VC said, I have always felt excluded from faith and meaning feels so elusive, but I want to belong to something bigger than myself, so let's go sit at Phil's and talk about this some more. (laughs) Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that you come to all of us no matter the reasons that you shouldn't, no matter the reasons that we think that you shouldn't, no matter the reasons that other, people's ha- other people have told us that you shouldn't. Instead, you do come and speak words of belonging and love and meaning and hope, and transformation, all of the things that we so long for in our lives. So this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've been t- so taken with this story uh, this past week as I've been thinking about it, uh, how, how applicable it is to our life together here um, in Val- as Valley Presbyterian Church and our, our space that we hold in this area of the world. And the story begins with the Spirit's call to Philip, who was one of the disciples. And Philip is in Jerusalem. He's smack dab in the middle of the religious center where he knows exactly what to expect. He knows exactly how faith is going to play out. He's in a story that's been going on for thousands of years. And things have been a little disrupted about Jesus, but yet still Jerusalem is his safe space. And so the Spirit of the Lord comes and says, go to this road between Gaza and Jerusalem. And I love the parentheses where it says, this is a wilderness road. (laughs) Like, this is a scary place for Philip to go. And I wonder as a church here at 945 Portola Road and as the church in America in general if, if we sometimes fail to recognize that we are in many ways on a wilderness road. That the faith that many of us grew up with, uh, the agreement around what religion is and should be, it no longer is. Our speaker that we had here for Presbytery yesterday said the church in the 1960s ha- was going downhill. Everything in the culture uh, was supported the life of the church and the life of faith. He's so that even in the Los Angeles Times, they would have Bible readings in the 1960s. I mean, can you imagine getting your daily devotional from the San Francisco Chronicle every morning? Um, things have changed so dramatically in the last 50 years. And that means that, that as a church, we're, we're in this wilderness place. This place was built in the, in the 1960s under certain assumptions about how church happened and how people would gather and, and how things would move forward. And where Sundays were once a sacred time for families, we now have soccer and marathons and bike rides along this gorgeous road and the newspaper and lattes. And uh, sometimes on Easter and Christmas, we can pretend like everything's going pretty well. But, But if we are honest with ourselves, we have to say that in many ways, the church is on a wilderness road. We don't know exactly what to expect. We don't know exactly how things are going to go. So when Philip arrived on this wilderness road, um, following this call of the Spirit, and I think that's a call a uh, question for us as a church is, are we willing to go to that wilderness road? Or do we want to just stay in Jerusalem where everything's safe? But Philip follows the call, and he he goes on this road, and on the road he meets this Ethiopian eunuch, who's this amazing complex character, like all of us are. First of all, he's Ethiopian, so so his nationality and um. And ethnicity is not. Uh, home base for Judaism. He's he's not Jewish, he's from another different country, likely had a different color skin, so he's already kind of outside of the mainstream of Jewish faith and of this early Christian group that's just beginning to form. Secondly, he's a eunuch. And eunuchs, without getting too graphic, were castrated in order to be able to serve in a household without any of the complications that might come otherwise. And so, um, but this, this, um, this state of being actually prevented him from being a part, full part of the temple worshiping life and a full part of society. In fact, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there are specific verses that preclude eunuchs from participating in the temple life and, call, and because they are maimed in some way, they're not seen as fully able to be a part of the worshiping community. So he's Ethiopian, he's a eunuch, but also he's a person of incredible privilege and great wealth. It's said he's riding in a chariot, he manages the entire treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians, he can read in a largely illiterate society. So he's a wealthy and powerful man. And in the, the complexity of who he is, he's longing for something more. He's awake to this presence of God that, that he can sense, I think, and knows that there's something there and yet isn't able to fully grasp for whatever reason. Yesterday... Uh, we heard of this wonderful story from a young man who is uh, seeking ordination in the Presbyterian Church about his experience touring with the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus this last summer. And when they toured in the southeast, in this place where where gay men are, are often ostracized of the United States, and they were They were in a church that welcomed them and that offered them communion. And he said he wasn't sure how many people, how many men in the chorus would come forward to receive communion. And he was so surprised that that the majority of them came and gathered in a circle in the church. And in this church, their custom was to hand each other the bread and the cup and to pass it around the circle. And he said there was this amazing moment when... When these men received communion and were told that they belonged and they were loved by God and they were fully accepted for who they were, that the tears just flowed for these men in this circle. And I imagine that the Ethiopian eunuch may have felt a little bit of that for whatever reason, not making a not knowing his situation, but, but putting together the pieces that in some way he was outside of the circle. that He wasn't invited, and he didn't fully belong. And sadly, the narrative of Christianity has become so distorted in our world and in our culture especially, that even as a church we have a lot of damage control to do because so many people feel like they don't belong in this place. They don't belong in the circle. And often Christianity and the church is the last place that people want to come and look for answers or find meaning because it's been a place that has hurt them so desperately. So that's the Ethiopian eunuch. And I love that Philip doesn't come in with all the answers in this encounter. And easy answers don't often make sense in the wilderness. He begins with this deep sense of the curiosity about what the man is reading. And they ask each other powerful questions. Do you understand what you are reading? How can I? About whom does the prophet say this? What is to prevent me from being baptized? In their conversation, we get a sense that they're in it together. That they're having this conversation, trying to figure out what the scripture says. Trying to figure out what's going on. The text says the eunuch is reading a passage in Isaiah, and he doesn't fully understand it. And let's face it, the Bible is often not easy to understand. Likely, the eunuch is familiar uh, with the passages that explicitly exclude him, as well as the violent texts of the Hebrew Scriptures, and yet he's reading this text in Isaiah that's very non-violent talks about this nonviolent Messiah, and he's trying to make sense of it. And just um, in that same part of Isaiah that he was reading, there's also a text, not um, cited in Acts here, but but that says that eunuchs are welcome in the house of God. And so I th- imagine in my mind that the eunuch is trying to make sense of these two streams of faith. this this violent, exclusive, religion that he may have experienced and be reading about, but also this inclusive sense of belonging and love and welcome. And it's into that space that Philip brings Jesus. And Philip says, let's look at this through the lens of what we saw in Jesus. And in Jesus and in his life and in his teaching, we see a different way and we begin to be able to make sense of some of the confusion that we might have we don't know exactly how the conversation ends, but we know the conclusion that the unit comes to, which is like, well, why shouldn't I be baptized? There's no reason why I don't belong. And I think, I don't know about you, sometimes I struggle with these, these competing voices of Christianity, these competing voices about what faith and what church is, and how do we pick when it's all kind of there in the tradition and there in the text. And yet we really see very clearly Philip saying, let's look at the lens of Jesus. And when we look through that lens, we find that you belong, that you are welcome, that this is a space of great acceptance, That this is a space where anyone can come. I'm reading kind of a modern dilemma into the eunuch's struggle to understand here. But but I think his response gives us a clue about how to, to wrestle with our own contemporary plight of trying to make sense of the ways that Christianity has come down to us and the ways we've been taught to read the text and what and who Jesus actually was. I love this question. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And we don't hear Philip's response, but but really it must have been nothing. <laughs> Let's get out of the chariot and do it right here. And in that moment, I love that uh, the eunuch is claiming his own belonging. It's not Philip that invites him to be baptized. It's actually the eunuch himself that says, hey, I get to be a part of this too. Let's, let's do this. And I wonder which character you relate to most this morning. Maybe you relate to the eunuch. Maybe you have felt excluded from church and from faith. Maybe you can't find your way through the conflict of, of what you see about Christianity in the media or even your own traumatic experiences in the past, and yet you have this sense that there must be something there. And it doesn't matter what kind of chariot we're riding in. It doesn't matter what the size of our bank account is. It doesn't matter what our physical state is. We all want to know that we belong. We all want to know that we matter. And we all want to live a life that means something. And I invite you this morning, if you find yourself in that place, to stay in the conversation long enough to hear that. Long enough to hear that voice that you do belong. Grasp a hold of belonging like this man grasped a hold of it in his chariot. Be bold enough to set aside the voices that tell you differently and listen to the voice of Jesus who welcomed everyone to the table. Maybe you relate to Philip. What would it be like to to take a moment in your day, to listen close enough to the Spirit, to hear where the Spirit may be leading you, to go into the wilderness, to that place where you don't have all the answers, where you're maybe a little insecure and you're not exactly sure, but to be in the wilderness, And to watch and to listen for the conversations that are waiting for you there. I believe that there are so many people in this world that are are asking that question, what is to prevent me from being baptized? And as people of faith, it is our great privilege. One of my favorite things about being a pastor is being able to say, nothing prevents you. Welcome. Come. Come. That's not just my job. That's each of our role in this world. I see in this story a reflection of who we are as a church. Because this is a place. This building and this community is a place where these conversations happen. And where people find belonging. Two weeks ago when we had our graduating seniors speak in the church we heard stories of belonging. Where they may not fully understand or, be f- or even like, like many of us do not like, the narrative of Christianity in our culture, and yet they know that this place, in this place, they belong. And in this place, they're free to ask questions. And in this place, they're free to be who they are. I see in this place... Yesterday, as Andrew and Ashley, two young people who have felt called to be ordained, uh, to be pastors, stood up here and, and told their stories of being here and being so loved and being challenged and being called and also being taught that, that ministry and church doesn't have to look like it's always looked. And out of that sense, they thought, well, well I could do that. <laughs> I would love to be, to be the Philip, a Philip in the world in a new way. This past week, uh, Ashley, who grew up in this church and is our youth director, she and her class led a Beyonce Mass at Grace Cathedral, which I had the privilege of attending, and there were a 1,000 people that showed up to Grace Cathedral to listen to how Beyonce helps us understand that there is room for the voice of the oppressed, those who have been oppressed. There is room for the voice of those who have been marginalized and in fact, we followed that voice in worship. Now that might not be your thing is to have a Beyonce Mass, but it was really a powerful experience. And I took my 15-year-old daughter and I have to say I was so proud, you know, to say this is faith, this is Christianity. It comes to you right where you are, in the music you're listening to, in the questions you're asking, in the things you're concerned about, in all the ways you want to see our world be more just. That's exactly where Jesus is. I see it in this church throughout the week as I I watch the cars pull up, and I'm sure Cindy sees this from her office, and people walk in and they sit in here for 5, 10, 60 minutes, They light a candle, sometimes they drop off some flowers. I don't know what's going on in their day, but I'm so grateful that this is a place they feel like they can just come and drop in and be and pray. This sanctuary is a place that invites belonging. And I see this in um, a book that our adult ed class is studying, a book called Grateful written by Diana Butler Bass, who was one of the spiritual catalysts who came and spoke um, in the interim time um, while in between pastors. And in her thank yous in the back of the book, there's this whole paragraph dedicated to Valley Presbyterian, so I wanted to read it to you today. She said, Some of the most life-giving and provocative ideas in this book were birthed while I was ser- served as a spiritual companion to Valley Presbyterian Church in Portola Valley, California, for a couple of weeks in October 2016. That congregation inspired a sermon on Zacchaeus that changed my entire understanding of the political dimensions of the New Testament. I feel they gave me far more than I gave them, and I am profoundly grateful for their hospitality. So it's amazing to think that what can happen in this place What can happen when when we go out into the world and meet people in that that place where they're asking, what prevents me from belonging? And we are able to say, nothing prevents you from belonging. This is who we are and who we are called to be. A place that is telling a completely different story about what it means to have faith in Jesus. A story that is about transformation. A story that is about belonging, not exclusion. This is a place where transformative conversations happen. And you carry this place with you as you go out onto those wilderness roads. Listening to the Spirit's call to you. Inviting us to be with others. To ride along with them. And to find belonging together. Amen.